On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's Tall Can Audio. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, or as Matt says, Screeds, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. Matt, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Screeds pretty good things are good um it's been a crazy kind of day running around here in the hockey world but uh trying to keep track of all of that but as i said on twitter feeling pretty good because you're the one steering the ship today which means it's really not my problem so hope you're feeling good yeah i know definitely have the brain power for this and i am very well versed in everything that happened today and it all very much makes sense to me not mad about anything uh because the nhl is full of good people who do good things um Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. And just all the dr- all the bad all. people are being drummed out. They're not being given second chances. Or exactly, yeah, places. because cancel culture is a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it actually works. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm being sarcastic, just in case that's not 100% clear. We will get into that, though. But uh, given that I think today of all days, we really friggin' need it, uh, what are you drinking today? So this is one of the... Uh, you've had this on the show before. I'm like 98% certain. This is from Calabogie. This is the bleep bloop. IPA. Yes. Um, so I've never had this one before. It's a 6% IPA. So it's got a little citrus. It's supposed to be very juicy, kind of a nice golden color. So um, yeah, 6% IPA out of Calabogie. Uh, bleep bloop. I think it's robotic. Bleep bloop. Yeah, there. She did it better. Uh, what do you got going on? This is a uh, Calabogie show. Because okay. I am also drinking a Calabogie beer, and I swear we didn't plan this, folks. Um, I am drinking the Pale Ale Valley Light. I think mm. that's what it's called. Um, that's what the order of the words are on the can. <laughs> but I want to say it's a Pale Ale Light Valley. I don't know. Pale Ale Valley Light All is right. what we're calling it. It's. I think I've had it on the show before. It's a lighter beer, but it does have like a nice... Um, you know, pale ale taste to it, a little bitter, a little, little citrusy, uh, but light on the carbs, light on the calories, light on the alcohol. And the reason I'm doing that is because, well, I've been up at 4 a.m. almost every day this week. And uh, tomorrow on Thursday morning, I'm going to be on TSN from 7 to 9, and I have to be up super early to prepare for that. So I thought, you know what? Today of all days, this is a light beer day. <laughs> So that's what we're going with today. We handle these things very differently because to me that would that would mean this needs to be a, a hard beer day, a heavy beer day and something that is going to erase what's already happened today and put me to sleep nice and strong. No. But I see where you're going. We, we, we all handle things in our different ways. I was going to, I did want to open the show by checking in on you. 
because I know you've been keeping some hard hours. I know you've got your normal job. I know you got this gig. I know you got the TSN 1200 thing going on. The Olympics are running at just ungodly hours. Um, how you doing, Screeds? Are, are, is things okay? Honestly, no. <laughs> and, and it's not just because, yeah, like I've got a lot going on this week and, and, uh, um, you know, that's, that's partially just me. I take off, I, I bite off more than I can chew all the time. And, and I like it. I like being busy and the Olympics have added a different level. Like I thought, you know, I'm a morning person. I've talked about this a lot, but I, I thought I'd be fine getting up at three thirty, four o'clock occasionally. But by Ugh. about Tuesday of this week, I was like, Oh man, I yeah. don't know how much longer I can do There's this. still like a week and a half left. Uh, yeah. It was early days. And, uh, you know, it, like that's one thing and, and we'll get into this in a bit, but I'm, I'm just so, yeah, I'm going to swear and I don't often swear <laughs> on, on this show, but I'm so fucking exhausted with the NHL yeah. and sports this yep. week and just everything that's happened between the draft and the Logan Mayu situation to Tony D'Angelo and then Simone Biles and the way she's being treated. I'm just, I'm done with sports this week. Like they are the, the people the the, I don't even know. How, I don't even have words. Like I don't even have words for how unbelievably stupid some things that happen, specifically in the NHL, are, and and we'll get into that obviously. But I just I'm like You're I spent. don't know. It, every day gets harder and harder to be an NHL fan, yes. and the last few days have been really freaking hard. So and again, maybe it's my sleep deprivation adding to this. Maybe my resiliency is just not where it should be. Um, but I just I, I feel like in the last you know five days I've talked so much about how crappy the NHL is and the way it treats victims and amplifies um, uh, people who have and, yeah. been convicted of sexual abuse and and it yet yeah, just c- continues to happen. And then it's not making any difference and we can shout it from the rooftops and it just continues to happen. And I'm exhausted. It's just so exhausting. Anyway, that was loaded. How are you? <laughs> Better than that. I think I'm holding up. Um, I'm not forcing my. <laughs> I was like, did I lose you? It, d- is this it? Yeah, no. Um, I'm not doing the early morning thing like you. And uh, we talked before the games started, right? Uh, you know, that I wasn't sure this was going to hook me. I wasn't sure I was going to get into it, but a quick scan of my Twitter feed would indicate that I am doing the late night thing like I thought I may fall into, right? The 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 Canadian team, especially the women, have been doing so well at the pool. That's been keeping me up late. I, I watched a little rowing there on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, but I, I don't mind. Like, I can handle that a little bit every now and then. I'm a bit of a night hawk, so um, that's not really an issue for me. So I, I think between the two of us, there probably is only like an hour or two not being watched, right? You've got the morning stuff covered. I've got the evening stuff covered. Yep. And uh, I think in that regard, I- I'm with you. Um, I had a chance to vent and-, and we will get into it again because there are new developments, but had a chance to vent a little on the uh, on the Monday morning show. Um, as people know, Rob's on vacation. So Chris Hoffley was good enough to sit in and we tore a strip off the Habs and the Blackhawks, quite frankly. Uh, on that show. And I should say, and maybe this will help you out, Michaela. Maybe this will be a nice distraction for you. I know how passionate you are about the subject. On Wednesday morning, episode 859, we had Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet. We had the Zoobs from over at, uh, he's worked for Yahoo. He's got the Sportsfeld podcast and Wrestling Brain. And Screeds, we talked about what if wrestling 
was in the Olympics. Not that weird stuff where they roll around on the gra- on the ground in that circle. On a- yeah, like no, actual wrestling. No, no, we're talking real wrestling, like in the oh. ring, right? Like with music and backflips and costumes and stuff, the real stuff. What if that was in the Olympics? And we had a great... Uh, <laughs> almost two hour conversation about what it would look like if wrestling was in the Olympics. Um, this maybe would help you in a different sense. You know, if you're having trouble getting enough sleep, this may put you right where you need to be in that regard as, as yeah. not, not a wrestling fan. But uh, people, if you're into that sort of thing, it was a little silly. It was a little kind of, you know, we just had some fun with it. That's episode 859. Thanks to uh, Kevin Mickey and uh, the Zoobs, Andrew Zuber for jumping on to do that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely right up my alley yeah. and and a subject I'm very passionate about. Uh, and I'm sure whether I want to or not, I will hear Good. at least a portion of it Good. because a certain certain member of my household is a massive wrestling fan. Well, so, so I'm sure I'll be him, had him to in it. mind when we, uh, when we <laughs> I but, know it's but, um, targeted I, for him. I, I should also tee up uh, for people who, uh, who didn't catch the, uh, the, the wrestling Olympics show. I've got a couple guest announcements too. Um, this one will be a rare weekend show just because of the timing of it. And uh, at four o'clock Pacific time. So that's seven o'clock here in Ontario uh, on Friday. I'm going to be talking to Ray Ferraro. I've been teasing this for a while. It was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. You know, there was a lot going on with his move to ESPN, so he didn't really want to open himself up to a lot of questions. Um, Those questions are now answered and everything's public. So Ray Ferraro uh, and I are going to chat on Friday evening. So you can look for that probably Saturday morning um, as we roll into the long weekend. People can check that out at their leisure. And at the end of the long weekend, early next week, Mike Wilner of the Toronto Star, formerly of uh, the Blue Jays coverage on Sportsnet and the Fan 590. Um, you know, on the heels of the baseball tra- trade deadline, which is on Friday, and the uh, Blue Jays returning to the Sky Dome, which is also on Friday, uh, they'll have their first series done there. I thought it might be fun to talk to Mike Wilner about, uh, about the Jays and what's happening there. So a couple of, I don't know, pretty good guests. Looking forward to that. People should, uh, if you're not right now, you should be subscribed because those are both going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, sounds like you got a great lineup right on. Um, let's let's get into it, shall we? Let's. There's, I can tell you're raring busy to day. go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a busy day yeah. uh, in the NHL. Um, I want to touch on the letter from Jeff Molson first, if we can. Let's do that. Okay, and I know you and Chris Offley talked about Logan Mayu in, in the context of the draft, and and obviously I don't want to repeat anything, but I do just want to mention that just because we talk about it once doesn't no. mean we get to it. We we should stop talking about it. And this is this is the point I'm trying to hammer home: is Montreal made this pick thinking, knowing they would get a backlash, it would go through the 24 hour news cycle, and it would be done. And I think it is our duty, not mm-hmm. just as podcasters, but as members of the media, as fans as people on social media, we have to make sure that that doesn't happen because they don't get to just sweep this under no, the rug this and let it blow away. over. Yeah. No. And, you know, the, the statement from Jeff Molson, I think, is a little bit of an acknowledgement. Like, I'm not going to read the whole statement. It's quite long. We'll tweet it out. It's on the Habs website. Uh, we'll tweet it out at Shrides, at Tallcan Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll just kind of read some snippets so from Molson it because is the owner what, of the Habs, we should mention there for those who aren't. Yes, familiar. Jeff. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Jeff Molson is the owner of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, this statement screamed to me, "Hey, we didn't know this would be this much of a big deal." Sorry, hey, that's basically in a nutshell. When did they release this statement, Michaela? 
Oh, they released yeah. it a few minutes before noon on NHL free agency day, Matt. Yeah. And Probably this, like, just I just an wanna... oversight. <laughs> like, honestly. So, I don't have words. Um, okay, I need to be very careful with my words here and, 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 and think very thoroughly here. But we are not stupid. Right. And I'm so sick of NHL teams in particular, but but many organizations and sports teams in particular still do this. But you see it a lot with NHL teams where they genuinely think if you release something at a certain time, oh, it'll just get buried with mm-hmm. the other news. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not stupid. We know what you're doing. Right. We know how this works. You don't have to be a friggin' comms professional to understand timing of releasing news. Someone releases news at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Guess what? It's probably not good. Right. And I say that having hosted a live sports radio show at 6 p.m. on Fridays for three years. So <laughs> we got our fair share yeah, of that. That's true. You'd have lots of fresh news. All the sends kept us busy for a while. But like yeah, uh, that uh, aside, yes. like that, that it, I, I'm just so sick of, 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 teams treating us like we're stupid as you said like the nhl today is nhl free agency day everybody is going to be overwhelmed with news there are guys going all over the place there's trades happening free agent signing and maybe if we just slide this out right around noon as all the chaos is going to begin it'll just sort of get lost it'll just get disappear in the mix or whatever fuck off we know what you're doing we've seen it a hundred times it's not getting lost it was seen, and frankly, it's worse this way. Like you made it worse yep. by trying to do this, and and now like just a further acknowledgement that you don't understand what you've done, or you don't care what you've done. If if you were truly remorseful and you truly meant that, you know, an apology or anything that you were trying to do here by burying it intentionally, you think you've made things better. You would want to have your own stage if you truly felt you know, some sort of uh, whatever word you want to use, responsibility or, or whatever, by just trying to slide it in during one of the NHL's busiest news days and hope nobody notices just made it so much worse. Yeah, absolutely. A, that's not going to work. B, you are showing just how stupid you think your fans are yep. and you think fans of this sport are. And that that makes it even worse. The statement itself is trash, on so many levels. And I'll just read one little blurb of it right off the top. I think this is the third sentence. He says, I want to share with you my perspective on our decision to select Logan Mayu in the 2021 NHL draft. This decision made in the context of the draft, don't know what other context it would be made in, turned out to be instantaneously very offensive to many of you. What does that say? This is sorry you felt that way. Yes. Sorry you were offended. Immediately, it puts the ownership on the people who found this decision to be problematic, which was everybody. The prime minister of our GD country thought this was trash. And immediately in this statement, they say, we're sorry you felt that way. Yeah. Essentially. (sighs) The statement goes on to say, uh, you know, they're they're. They want him to to learn from his actions. He's shown that um, Logan's actions do not reflect the values of our organization. And I apologize for the pain the selection has caused. Well, obviously they do because you selected him. Yep. No new information came out. Nope. Yeah. No new information came out between when the selection was made and now. You knew what happened Mm -hmm. and you still selected him. So obviously these, these actions do reflect your organization. Um. 
And then he goes on to say that at this stage, it's only our actions that will speak louder than our words. Again, your actions are that you drafted this guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your you actions do already spoke. Now you're giving us words. Exactly. Like, your actions did speak you, louder they than They already words. spoke. Now you're just giving us words that we don't <sighs> care about. Honestly, how stupid do they think they are? Um, they lay out a three three step plan over the course of the next few months. We will develop in conjunction with local experts a comprehensive plan to raise awareness and educate young men and young women about this serious issue. Okay, we will support and oversee Logan's commitment to becoming a better person. Okay, we have asked Logan not to participate in our rookie or main training camp this fall. So this is where. First of all, if you're going to draft somebody and then ask them not to show up at your rookie camp, like again, what was the freaking point? Why? And yeah. it doesn't matter at this point because you still drafted him. He's still in your organization. You still, your actions already spoke, but why did you draft him? The point why was, would you, you could have just not done this to get the, the, the player. Right. And, and at some point, um, Eric Engels did some really good reporting on this on Wednesday that, uh, Jeff Molson also had a press conference with selected media organizations that he trusted would not ask too difficult a question. Um, and it, it sort of said that in that context, in that press conference, like, um, that he didn't really expect this would be such a big deal. And so the cynic, and it's not even cynical, it's accurate was you just wanted to get the 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 prospect and he said sorry to the, the reason i brought up the second press conference after the statement was he said during that press conference we believed there were teams who might take him in the second round <laughs> so this is about hockey this isn't about yep. responsibility this isn't about the victim this isn't about helping logan mayu move past this this is a hockey asset and now you think you get to say well we're not inviting him to camp and we're not, you know, going to give him an, his entry-level contract this year. Um, but you wanted his rights. You still wanted the asset. And to you, that was more valuable. Draft him in the first round and get that. And it didn't matter what it said to your fans. And, you know, people who aren't even fans, just people who work in the NHL and, and whoever, like, that you don't care. This was just about getting the hockey asset because someone else might take him in the second round. Let them. Let somebody else be the organization, be the great, classy Montreal Canadians that would never accept this in their organization. But instead, well, no, we want to get the player. Well, then fuck yep. you. Like, I exactly. This, this was a clear decision of hockey talent trumps decency. morals and personal behavior and human decency every day. And I want to be really careful. Sorry, I, go ahead. I, I interrupted you there. That's okay. Um... I, 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 I lost totally my turn. Um, you off sorry, you one second. <laughs> I kicked it away. That's my fault. Um, one thing I think is important to highlight, and, and Jeff Molson mentions it in this statement. You know, they, there's a lot of talk of like, oh, Logan's shown that he is repentant and he's sorry, and he, you know, to to you know, Logan Mayu has said all of the right things publicly right now. But what's not talked about, and Katie Strang has reported this, she did a whole article on, she interviewed the victim and actually shared her perspective. The victim says she never got uh, an, an apology. Mm -hmm. She got like three sentences via text. She never got a decent apology. He says he apologized, but in actuality, that's not what happened. Also, he told the Swedish police, uh, some media in Sweden, and the team 
that he felt she was being vindictive and she was trying to ruin his life. Yep. That's not lining up with what he's saying publicly. That doesn't sound like someone who is remorseful and wants to be a better person. So the Montreal Canadiens can say that they're going to educate people and help Logan be a better person. That's great. Show me the receipts. Our job from henceforth is to keep pressure on the Montreal Canadiens to show us the receipts of what exactly this means. Because this statement was to keep sponsors happy. That's all it was. Because St. Hubert was going to friggin' pull their sponsorship. Well, and even and that so I thought was weak as hell. Like Saint Hubert yeah, said, we may. About yeah, then get lost. You're you yeah. want to calm the don't. storm and your customers and whatever to say, yeah, we think this sucks too. We may pull away, and then again, hope it dies down, and you can still be there on it's the most famous logo in Quebec. They want to be a part of it, right? It's, yep. I, so we need receipts. Yeah. This this they don't get to write this statement and walk away from it. We need receipts. They should have never done it in the first place. And now all we can do from here on out is just keep asking questions. Keep putting the pressure on uh, Trevor Timmons every time he does an interview and doesn't know how to answer a a question he knew was coming. Instead, responds with 21 seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. We need to keep asking these questions and we need to ask them, what have you done? What education is taking place? What has Logan done to 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 become a better person, as you said, because that's they think that they can just write this. And walk away from it, and it's and and they're never going to have to answer it, answer for it again. And and the reason I say that is because Tony D'Angelo, who we just saw sign a contract with the Carolina Hurricanes today, he in in junior was accused of of doing some not so great things and using racist and homophobic slurs. And mm-hmm. there was an entire redemption story arc that was painted around him. And now he was learning from his actions and being a better person. And have we ever seen any change from Tony D'Angelo? No. He was just drummed off his most recent team. Don't tell me that this shit ruins players' lives. It doesn't. You know whose lives it ruins is the victims. How about Jake Vertanen? We're, what, a month or two into his situation out in BC. Vancouver decides we don't want this around anymore, and they buy him out, and he's got a new contract today. This is there's nobody yep. being canceled. Enough with cancel culture. No one has been canceled almost ever. You just carry on with your fucking life in a new city and hope that it fades away. Cancel culture. Give me a break. And I I love what you said there about the statement, too, from Jeff Molson. Um, There was another statement put out by the team on draft night, which, again, if you're drafting this player and you know that you need PR control immediately, maybe don't draft that player. But this one today uh, on Wednesday afternoon during free agency by Jeff Molson was absolutely supposed to be cover for their sponsors. Keep sending us checks. We're going to clear this up. It's safe. It's going to be okay. You can keep your ties to to our organization, whether it be Molson or whether it be San Hubert or whoever else is sponsoring that. It's going to be fine. It's going to blow over. Here's me stepping out and pretending to take responsibility with some mealy mouth bullshit. Just keep sending your checks. It's going to be fine. He was providing cover for his sponsors. It was transparent as hell. Um, and, and it was ugly. And and to do all this stuff that they've done now, we're not going to sign him to his entry-level contract right away. We're not going to have him at rookie camp. We're not going to you know do this and that. These are all things... And I want to be careful here. I don't want it to seem like I'm defending what Logan Mayu did because I'm not. And it was gross and he deserves to have to pay a price for it. 
But these were all things that in his statement a week ago where he said, hey, don't draft me. Let me go. And part of that, like, let's call a spade a spade, is self-preservation. I'm not ready to end up in the NHL being asked about this every single day. I'm going to stay in junior. But at least there, it's if you want to take him at face value, if you want to believe, and and you've given enough reasons there, and and they're all accurate and they're all well-reported on, um, that you should be skeptical of his words. But if you even want to take him at face value, that he wants to do this the right way, he wants to earn his way into the NHL, he needs to earn the victim's forgiveness, um, he has, as you've said, he has to show some receipts. Why didn't you just let him go do that? Because all you've done here is snatch up his rights, and now you're saying, we're going to help him go do that. He was going to do that without you, right? He wanted to stay in junior he was going to do these things, or he wasn't, right? Depending on how much you want to believe him. But now Montreal gets to say, we're going to help him do those things. But also we now own him, right? We've got his rights. You could have just left well enough alone. You don't have to have him in your... What are the Montreal Canadiens going to do to help him? I don't believe, especially with the pressure that Mark Bergevin is under right now and his ties to the 2010 Blackhawks thing. Why do I believe you're able to to do any of this. They just brought in a a goalie coach who, you know, we can choose to use his name or not. That's really up to you at this point. He's got his own, you know, history record, whatever you want to call it with his wife and some not so great stuff that went on that. Like this is not an organization that is in a good place to say, we can help a young man, you know, recover from this. Well, maybe you can't like, maybe you're not the people to do it. Maybe you should have just, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm sort of talking in circles. I get it, but it's frustrating as hell. It is. It's incredibly frustrating to find your words for it because how do you find words for such blatant disregard for someone's well-being yeah. and, and someone's safety? And, you know, keep in mind, Mark Bergevin was with the Chicago Blackhawks during the time frame that they there was an alleged saying, sexual yeah. assault by yeah. one of their video coaches. Um, the the Kimalu situation happened where Bill Peters and, and uh, several other players on the team uh, uh, subjected him to, yes. to racist racism, essentially consistently. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm losing my words uh, was with their affiliate and an affiliate of, sorry, of the, of the Blackhawks, was the yeah, Blackhawks at the time. Taunts and all kinds was, of was there at the time. Put through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like that, this situation just kind of keeps following Bergevin. Clearly this is not an organization that again, values. If if you are a good hockey player, it, the rest doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what kind of person you are. It doesn't matter how you treat people. It doesn't matter how you treat women. If you're a good hockey player, that's enough. And and Ian Mendez said it so perfectly in an interview or in the athletic uh, hockey podcast where he said, you know, women are not your teachable moments. And I, I've never, it, this is the first time I've ever heard it in that context. And like, there was a literal light bulb that went off above my head because good Lord, is that not the most perfect soundbite for this? Yeah. And I, I am so I saw sick. That too. I don't want us to guess at, I want people to hear it. I've already texted Ian to ask if he minds and we're going to drop that audio in right here, his full comment on it, because you're right. It was brilliant. I think. We need to do a better job, Arpen, as as men in the hockey industry of holding these young men accountable. And this is what makes it disappointing is that the guy is drafted in the first round. So I don't feel like we as a 
you know, hockey community held this man to any uh, young man to any degree of uh, standard. And and I think what really upsets me is I, I see all the replies and Haley alluded to them of, oh, he's just young. He's a teenager. He makes a mistake. You know, what, what really aggravates me is, you know, young women don't exist in the world to be teachable moments. Like young women don't exist in the world to be your learning experience. I'm sorry. And we need to cut this bullshit out of the hockey world. We really do. And and I think Arpin, here's what I here's what I think should happen. There should be from the junior level up, if not even sooner, maybe even in when we're talking about 12, 13 year old kids, the hockey world needs to have some sort of mandatory consensual uh, training on consent, respect of women, etc. Let's fold it into the grassroots element of this game, because this is clearly an issue in our game. And I think, Arpit, if we can do that with kids that are 12, 13, 14, teach them how to treat women, teammates, people of different backgrounds, whatever it is, if we can fold that into the fabric of the game, then we're not going to have these moments where we're trying to teach somebody after the fact. We do too much uh, teaching, uh, you know, we got to be proactive. We're too reactive. And I think that's, to me, that's what I'd like to see. The OHL, the, all the leagues come together and say, we, we teach kids and, and coaches about concussions and we teach them about all these things and we don't teach them how to treat women. And it's wrong. It really is. I, that, that's just, that, that's it in a nutshell. We are so sick of being the lessons through which young players get to learn how to quote unquote, be better people because they may go on and quote unquote, be better people. But those women are still left with the scars of those actions for the rest of their life. They don't get a redemption tour. Their names are dragged through the mud. In addition to the trauma that they have to live with for, you know, being violated in some way. Mm -hmm. Why don't we educate young people about treating people, in particular women, properly instead of letting them fuck up and hurt people and then learn from it. And this is the problem with hockey culture. You know, the, the line of, well, someone else was going to take Logan Mayu. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, right no, because it's accurate. Someone was going to take Logan Mayu. That's fucked up. Exactly. Tony D'Angelo is, is employed right now. Jake by an organization that we all thought was cool. Yeah. We all loved the Carolina Hurricanes until yep. this happened. Yep. What do you make? There is no cancel culture. No, <laughs> it just doesn't isn't. exist. And, and in hockey in particular, it's just, it's so frustrating to see this happen again. I tweeted this a couple times over the weekend, but it's just every day it gets so much harder and harder to be a fan. And I'm, I'm like, I'm at my wits end of this league, this sport continuously showing that it does not value women and it does not value anybody who is not a good hockey player. And if you are a good hockey player, then it does not matter how you treat people. I can't say it better than that. I have nothing to add. You know, hockey players grow up thinking that they are gods. Remember the kids in your elementary school who were good at hockey and how they were treated? Oh, like this starts one, so much one, earlier. Here we are. Like I'm 37 years old. I would still punch him in his face. If I saw him exactly. <laughs> and those guys, like I, I can think of guys from my elementary school and exact same thing. I would punch them in the face if I ever met them today. Yeah. They didn't make it past junior B. Right. Imagine these players who end up in, yeah. in the OHL and the NHL who are that good. 
Mm-hmm. Like this, this starts so much earlier than that. This is when they are children that they are taught that because they can push a piece of vulcanized rubber down an ice sheet while skating on knives, that they can do anything, that they are gods, that they are special, that they deserve the world. And that's the problem. And yeah. I don't know how you fix that. We need like sociologists and psychologists and doctors to come in and study this sport and this culture because it is so much more than a lunch and learn is ever going to cover. And while I think those are still important and we still have to do them, we still have to have those classes because it's still going to reach people, right? It's still going to change some minds and hearts. I just think it's one part of a very, very big solution that I can't even wrap my brain around. Right. Right. There's there's so much more to it than this. And that's why we say, you know, that the problem is with hockey culture. And how do you change a culture? That's that's incredibly difficult. And it, it needs to start, you know, I say it needs to start when they're kids, but then it also has to come from the adults who think this same way, who would rather protect their young yeah. boys and, and their reputation and get them to the NHL than protect the young girls who they hurt. Right. And think like, think of all the young girls who they do hurt along the way that we never hear about. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it, oh, yeah. And this is why no one wants, like, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to come forward with this crap because you're not supported. I, I hope that changes. And I want, you know, I hope they know that, that they are supported by, by many of us, but there are so many people who want to silence them. Well, if this young woman. Like if the Montreal Canadiens phone me, go fuck yourself. Sorry, I don't watch my tongue as well as you do. (laughs) But I don't want your help. I don't want your support. You just showed me you don't give a shit about me or anybody like me. Don't phone me. Don't offer to support me. Yeah. You know, like I, I just, it's all empty. It's all hollow. And you say, you know, we want them to be, you know, the, the, the victims should be supported, and absolutely they should. But I don't need to hear Jeff Molson or Mark Bergevin standing up saying they're going to be part of that support. You, no, you have no leg to stand on here. You made your decision on yep. who you support by yes. drafting him. That's right. That's right. And that's it. No, no PR statement's going to cover that up. Like at the, he said it is. It's so funny. Who wrote this? Our actions speak louder than our words. We know. Yeah. <laughs> like, We've already judged your actions. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, it's so stupid. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we move on to act? I, I, there's no good way to transition out of this. I just, I, I think we, the, the, the takeaway is we have to keep talking about it and we have to keep asking questions, whether it's the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> situation or the Montreal Canadians, this can't, this isn't just going to go away. Don't let them let it go away by having seven women stand behind them at the draft. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but all I'll say is like, that was the grossest thing I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) how dare, how dare they use those women for that? I just felt so bad for those women. Like I do not want to denigrate them at all. No. And we, you know, Hoff and I talked about that on Sunday briefly that uh, for those who missed it, that during the 32nd pick, the Chicago Blackhawks who are currently under siege and rightfully so for covering up all kinds of gross shit in terms of. Brad Aldridge's alleged sex crimes and and whatever while he was a part of that organization. So they're getting burned to the ground right now. And so when they have their first round draft pick, Stan Bowman, the general manager, walks up there with eight women who work for that organization in a clear shield almost. Look how progressive we are. Look how many women work here. Look how many. And again, like you, 
got no beef with any of those women. They've obviously earned their way into those positions and, and have, you know, get to work for a National Hockey League franchise because of the, the work they've put in. But they're being trotted out here now to try and show that the Blackhawks are progressive or something. Like, it was so gross. It was so transparent. It was, you know, and again, you got to be careful how you comment on it and, and whatever because it can easily come off like you're saying those women don't belong there. With any other organization, shy of maybe the Habs this year and maybe the Canadians, like whatever you want to do, it would be great if you would send one of your female scouts or assistant GMs or whatever out to make the pick. This was so clearly, hey, we're not so bad. Look, we've got at least seven women on staff. How bad could we? It was so gross and it was so obvious and it was so transparent. And I, I can't speak for any of them. Obviously, I don't know any of them, but I can only imagine that there was at least a few of them standing there going, this is so fucking humiliating, like to be a part of this right now. I can only imagine. Yeah, it was Elliot Friedman used the word performative. Yeah, that's which I a good thought one. was perfect. Um, that's exactly what it was, and and that's why it was again like you're you're treating us like we're stupid and we're not going to see through this, and we are right. Um, and you're using women who have earned their spot. You know, Kendall Coyne was in that group. Yeah, and they have earned their spot in the hockey world, and mm-hmm. you're using them for this. And it was just it, it was, was just gross on so it many levels. Gross. But my point is we have to keep asking these questions. We have to keep these stories in the news um, because they don't get to just sweep them under the rug. And in 2021, the 24 hour news cycle no longer exists and uh, they, they have to answer for it. So, you know, when training camp starts, I don't care if Logan Mayhew isn't there. That question better be asked of what are you doing to make him a better person? What education sessions are you running right now? Right. So I completely agree. I hope we keep that up. Should we talk about some of the free agents? Sure. All right, because today was free agency. Now, but uh, I know. Thank you, Montreal. Again, (laughs) you thought we weren't going to talk about it. Well, we just filled mm, forty minutes almost (laughs) talking about it. So you are welcome. Um, Listen, this was a busy, busy free agent day, and I have to say, like literally a couple minutes ago, Dougie Hamilton actually signed with the New Jersey Devils, seven years, sixty-three million dollar contract. So we, we, we knew he was probably going to end up there. Yeah. There you have it. That's that was where, the big one we were waiting to fall. Yeah, yeah that's the big fish. Yep. And, and there you go. He, uh, he, he lands in New Jersey. Um, I've literally got the free agent tracker up here, and I'm, I'm just going to scroll through, scroll, and scroll, we are scroll. going to find the doom scroll. We're going to find ones to talk about. Okay. Oh, yeah. While you it, do, uh, I, I, find, I, okay. I find Dougie Hamilton to New Jersey to be interesting. He's by far the... Um, the biggest fish, at least on the defenseman market uh, this year. And Jersey, to me, in a couple of years, stockpiling some pretty good young talent there, some interesting prospects. I don't think they're there yet. And Dougie Hamilton, probably 29, 30 years old now. Um, you know, I, I think that might have been premature, that, that maybe you weren't ready to do that. And you're probably going to be four years into this deal before you're really ready to contend. And at that point, does his competitive window really line up? Uh, I'm surprised they were willing to make such a big commitment to him. Um, for him, maybe it makes sense. We've sort of gotten to know that maybe he doesn't love the bright spotlight markets. Um, you know, whether it was Boston, whether it was Calgary, uh, he seemed to do pretty well in Carolina. So maybe New Jersey is sort of another step in that direction of, you know, staying off the big stage and, and just doing his thing. But, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised that New Jersey went that route. 
Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. Dougie Hamilton's not a fan of the spotlight. And you've got another defenseman in uh, New Jersey who loves yeah. the spotlight yeah, in true. PK Subban. So there's a good matchup. I, I think, <laughs> you know, they, ha- they have a lot of really good young talent mm-hmm. that I don't think are super far away. Like like whether it's uh, Jack Hughes and, and, you know, they just drafted his brother. Yep. Um, or, uh, oh, who's the... Nico Heischer, that's yep. the other one I was thinking of. Like, they've got a few pieces that I think are probably, like, going to not hit their peak, but start to go into their peak maybe this coming season. Okay. And Dan- and Dougie Hamilton kind of lines up nicely with that. So I don't necessarily think they're going to be automatic playoff contenders, but I think no. this is a really good move for them. And, you know, you're looking at Carolina, who swapped out an incredibly likable defenseman for <laughs> a very unlikable defenseman in Tony D'Angelo. So I... Hey, why not go full into heel mode right now and just become one of the most hated organizations? Um, I did. did. (laughs) Um, Is that not? And maybe he hasn't signed yet. But didn't Jake? um, Didn't Jake Vertanen end up there too? In Carolina, I mean. Oh God. And I, I I'm springing that know, on, I'm, I'm springing that Googling on you. It right maybe now. it's not. Uh, maybe that isn't it. But I thought um, that when Jake Vertanen was bought out from the Canucks, that maybe he ended up down in Carolina as well. No, there is reported interest in Vertanen. Okay. Um, I don't think it's happened yet. I, I know Sarah Sivian was was tweeting about that as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, they signed D'Angelo officially, but they haven't signed Jake Vertanen yet. But okay. pff, what do you? Who knows? That's yeah. probably coming. Yeah. Why not? Everybody's like, second favorite again, team. Not so much yeah. anymore. What a turn, though. Like, yep. like the Carolina Hurricanes genuinely jerks. were with the, they were a bunch of jerks and they were a bunch of lovable jerks. And yeah. now they're just a bunch of jerks, yes. like actual jerks. Yep. Right. Like from whether it was Rod Brendamore or or any one of their players, they were just a likable team. And now they have completely turned on a dime. Sure. Feels so congratulations. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I was just surprised it happened. Gabriel Landeskog staying in Colorado. And eight years, $56 million, $7 million cap hit. Like that surprised the hell out of me. After they signed the Kale McCarr deal, I was like, oh, they're definitely not signing Landeskog. I was sort of the other way almost. I I was really like, are they going to really let this guy go? He's their captain. He's been there forever. He's part of that big line. Um, Eight years is a long time for a guy who plays his style. And, uh, you know, very physical, very demanding. And he's been in the league since he was 18 years old. But he's also been their captain since he was 19 years old. So I was sort of like when I saw the Makar number, I was like, okay, I don't think, I don't know if they're going to be able to do this now or find any common ground. And, but at the same time, I was just kind of like, I would be really surprised if Landis Cog leaves Colorado. But when you see Makar's number and then you see Landis Cog's number and then you see that Philip Grubauer signed in Seattle, you can see obviously that's where the squeeze happened. You now have this again, it will be a, you know, top five team in the NHL this year with expectations of the cup without its Vesna nominated goaltender. So that's by giving those guys both those numbers. And I would do the Makar deal all day. I'm skeptical on the Landis cog number, but it drove their goalie away. Philip Grubauer, you couldn't afford him anymore. And I don't know who's going to play goal there now. Yeah, that's that's a good question. They got to figure that out. It, I, I think it's a good move. I didn't want them to lose him, but like it was the writing was all but on the yeah, wall yeah. at one point. So I was, I was surprised it happened. But you're right. As soon as Grubauer was out, okay, there's there's the room. Yep. Um, I have to ask you. 
Okay. Freddie Anderson in Carolina. I mean, does that just make them even more hateable for you? Or? <laughs> uh, I wanted to see Freddie get what he could, just not in Toronto. So I'm yeah. a little surprised it's Carolina. Um, maybe I shouldn't be, but I think it was two years, $4.5 million per year. So he didn't take the haircut that I thought he would uh, after the last year that he had, but um, it seems pretty plausible to me that he has a great year in Carolina behind a really good defense and kind of twists the knife on me that way. Um, but I got really no beef with that signing other than the fact that, like you said, Carolina's kind of running the heel turn here. But uh, to me, Freddie doesn't really add to that. I, it, it was just one of those things. It wasn't going to work in Toronto anymore. The confidence in him was sort of gone and you couldn't afford to give him what he still wanted to get. So sort of like Zach Hyman, I wished him well, but wished that he'd get it somewhere else. So let's talk about the Leafs again. Always. How do you feel about the Peter Morazic signing? Um, it's wobbly, right? Like that's sort of the yeah. the neighborhood you were going to be shopping in just because of uh, the salary cap situation that you have. Um, they get him for three years at 3.8. He's got a bit of an injury history, but um, you know, we've sort of evolved into this world of understanding goalies a little more based on repeatable stats versus ones that maybe are impacted by your defensemen and stuff like that. So his high danger save percentage when he's healthy is very, very good. Uh, I think he had a 922 last year, but in pretty limited action. Um, if he's healthy, I don't know that he's the number one clear-cut goalie in Toronto. I think he's been brought in to battle with Jack Campbell, which was, I guess, always the plan. And and to have that sort of safety net there, because we have no idea if Jack Campbell can play 50 or 60 games at 29, 30 years old. He's never done it before. So um, this is sort of the tandem you're running out. I wouldn't say I'm super, like, confident okay, we have like this top end goaltending tandem, but I think it's fine. I, you know, I don't, it didn't piss me off. I wasn't really afraid of it. Uh, it, uh, To me, that was about what I would have expected. It was going to be him or probably like a Darcy Kemper, maybe a a Yarrow Halak or or something like that. That was the the bargain bin you were going to be shopping in. Yeah, I mean, it screams to me a, a bit of an insurance goaltender to see how much of a starter Jack Campbell can be. Yeah. Right, like they want to, they want to make Jack Campbell the starter. They haven't. I don't think they've had enough of a sample size no, to know whether or not he can be. Yep. And and Mrazek has always kind of shared duties with someone. Yeah, he's a tandem right? guy. Like, yeah, it's a tandem guy, like you said. But he went. He he did help Carolina to to a decent amount of success, yes, and that was did. often him. Again, Nadelkovic was there as well. But I think that and he's our boy that James Reimer for a little while before Nadelkovic. Yes. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, oh, you know, Morazic's so that perfect kind of. <laughs> what was that? I said, "Oh, that was so dismissive of poor James Reimer." <laughs> I'm sorry, James Reimer. <laughs> a new San Jose Shark. Um, I lost my train of. So yeah, clearly I'm having a great day. Uh, but I, I think it's a good move for Toronto. It's low risk and it's exactly what they need. And Mrazic's got some good personality. So I think that'll be kind I of I want to see those so celebrations two... from World Juniors years back. Yes, he was jumping into exactly the bench and jumping of. up and down. Let's see some of that. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And, and you know, you've got Jack Campbell, who's a super likable guy. And yep. and now you've got Peter Mrazic there as well. So I think, I don't know. I thought it was a good move for Toronto. Um Speaking of goalies, mm-hmm. Braden Holtby going to Dallas. Um, not weird. really a surprise given, you know, I think I was surprised Vancouver gave up on that experiment so quickly. Um, I love Braden Holtby and I want nothing but success for him because he's one of the few actual good hockey dudes in hockey. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope it 
I hope it works out for him in uh, in in Dallas. But I have to I have to highlight a tweet that I saw by um, at Brock Bowser. He said, "Hopey has to get his fucking turtles back across the border." <laughs> and this is just it. Like um, after everything that happened today, this was the levity we needed. Yes, and it was so good. And bless uh, Brock Bowser for tweeting that. So, well, so uh, Holpe, for those who missed it, right last situation. fall when he signed there. Um, we have the, the border closure and the pandemic and he's got these turtles and whether or not they're legal to cross the border, we don't let just any species into the, and he's having all kinds of trouble getting his friggin' turtles into the country and manages to get them in. And now he's got to get them back out again. But I was surprised, like you seemed to disagree there a little bit when you were teeing it up that you thought maybe Dallas was an obvious fit. I was surprised. They have uh, Bishop there already. And then Jake Ottinger is clearly the guy that they are you know, grooming to be the new guy. No, not so much that he went to Dallas, but that he did that. It was done in Vancouver. Okay. Like they weren't even going to try. Well, so what's interesting about Vancouver's day and they had an interesting weekend. We talked a little about that, um, on the Monday morning show, but right after free agency opened last year, kind of post draft. And and it's hard to remember, but like all this just happened in October to start this season, right? The last free agency season, they re-signed Jake Vertanen. They trade a third round pick for Nate Schmidt and they sign Braden Holpe. And so far in this off season, they have traded Nate Schmidt away for a third round pick and bought out Jake Vertanen and uh, Braden Holpe. So, all three of those moves that were done like less than a year ago, they're just like, nope, done, moving on, trying something else. And I'm sort of still of the opinion that that Vancouver team is completely rudderless. Yeah. I mean, Jim Benning, man, it, you want an example of a GM that just can survive anything. It would seem. Yeah. No matter what he does. And, and someone made a good point and I can't for the life of me remember who, um, I think it was on the Steve Dangle podcast where they said like Vancouver with cap space is terrifying. Because they're going to do something stupid. <laughs> so let's just wait and see. What I saw Travis there. Yost of um, TSN there today tweeting the same thing about Ottawa. He didn't say they're going to do something stupid. He said, I just keep. They're seeing, waiting in the shadows. Yeah. I just keep seeing Ottawa involved in everything with all this cap space and they're just kind of hanging back and, you know, they're going to do it's that. Um, episode of The Simpsons where the Yakuza is going to fight uh, the Springfield Mafia in Homer's front yard. And, Marge makes Homer come in and he's like, but that little you guy hasn't do done something. anything and you know it's going to be cool. <laughs> the moment he shuts the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ottawa. Who knows, man? Well, let's, the Michael Dalzato thing. Kind of I can't kind of really wrap too. my head around it. I, I'm not really understanding what their defense is going to look like this year or what they're going for. This definitely kind of throws a hole into the, where does Brandstrom fit into things? And, and, Mete. you know, Met, yeah, exactly. Victor Mete and, and, you know, Delzato is, is 31 years old, doing time to a two year deal. So it's not like it's super high risk, but it's just really this. I was you know, surprised. You, you, what are you doing? You clear out one guy with, with dad off and, you know, he was overpaid, underperformed, wonders. taking away a spot from a young player. And you brought in a defenseman who is arguably overpaid and underperforms and is going to take away a spot from a young defenseman. And has his own questionable history. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Two years at 2 million per for this guy when you already had Mete and Branstrom and, uh, you know, Sanderson coming. Um, 
would suggest to me that one of those guys won't still be here on opening. Obviously Sanderson will be, well, he'll be in university. He'll still be Senator's property. Um, but I would suggest to you, it means that by the time camp starts, in my opinion, and Brandstrom or Mete might be gone in some sort of deal. And this is sort of insurance for that. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps we'll, we'll have to see. They also, it's worth noting the Sens also signed uh, DJ Smith to a two-year contract. So it's nice to take some of the pressure off the head coach going yeah, into the sure. season. I thought that was actually a really good move. Um, I've been a big fan of what DJ's done with this team so far. So uh, I thought that was great. Similar um, to Vancouver though, Ottawa last October <laughs> trades for signs, Matt Murray, and then exposes him, hoping Seattle will take him because they've clearly given him a very bad contract. And I said, even at the time, liked the trade, didn't like the contract. Um, and then Dadnov, they bring in, we don't like that. And we trade him away and got out from under the contract. And could, But again, you're sort of like, at the same time, you're sort of giving these kudos to guys for managing to deal this stuff away. I'm like, you made that mistake eight months ago. Like, let's not be patting these people on the back too much. These are admitting you made a mistake and yeah, it's good that you were able to admit it and try and get out from under it. But man, that was, what are we talking last November? They brought those guys in and tried to get rid of two of them already. And it one worked and one didn't, and there's still a chance Matt Murray could rebound, but the evidence is starting to pile up that maybe he isn't going to be uh, a number one kind of long-term in this league. We'll see, but uh, it's, it is funny to see how quickly we are, you know, trying to undo mistakes across the league here. I think we absolutely, though, Screeds need to look at um, Edmonton and what they did here in the last couple days. I was just going to say the Cody CC thing. Cody CC, who has he fooled? Because he just keeps getting chances left, right, and center. He's got something on somebody, I'm telling you. He's got something on somebody. Four-year deal with the Edmonton Four Oilers. $13 million, $3.25 million cap it. So not, not a crazy cap it, but no. like when you consider the fact that, listen, I've often been probably too defensive of Cody CC more, more so than I should be. He was not used in proper roles in Ottawa and Toronto. Nope. I think in Pittsburgh, they actually put him in a role that he was better suited for, which is a serviceable third line defenseman. Yep. And he, and he fit into that role yeah, very well. Fine. Yeah. I do not see Edmonton putting him in that role because they don't have any defensemen. They just let Adam Larson walk. Yep. He's going to be on their top six or sorry, their top four for sure. They're, you know, you're paying him $3.25 million. That's yeah. not a fourth, li- a third line defenseman. I'm, I just don't know what GMC in this guy. Um, To me, and, and you're right, they've paid him like a top four. But unless Evan Bouchard is ready to move ahead of either him or Tyson Berry, who they also re-upped here today. Uh, the Oilers must have looked at that 1920 Leafs team now with CC, uh, Barry, and Hyman and gone, we need some more of that success. Those guys killed it. Um, <laughs> unless Evan Bouchard is ready to move ahead of one of those guys, this is a bad idea because that is not a good right side. I think long-term, Evan Bouchard will be very good on their right side, but... I that you've you've locked in Tyson Berry and um Cody Cece, excuse me, and and as your top four right side defense. And I can tell you, as a guy who has watched that top four before, it doesn't work. It's not gonna be good. And it's gonna be paired with at least one of those guys is gonna be paired with Duncan Keith, who is also no longer a top four quality defense. And someone uh 
Someone tweeted out today, and I'm looking for it here. It was uh, out from Edmonton, Ethan Bear, Adam Larson, Oscar Clefbaum, and uh, Caleb Jones in Duncan Keith and Cody CC. And then obviously you <laughs> kept Tyson Berry. That's not good asset management. You actually spent more to make your defense worse. And I'm blown away that, um, that this is where they've ended up. And between the money they're paying Keith and CC and Hyman, they could have signed, you know, potentially Landis Cog and Hamilton. Uh, you tell me what you want to do. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what they're doing Honestly. out there. Ken Holland is just the the Oilers are lining it up to uh, to try and win the 2015 Stanley Cup. Is kind of what it looks like out there. <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting that Duncan Keith is there. Like every every time someone says it, I'm like, oh yeah, they're paying a lot of money for that you guy. Will and now they're start paying a lot of money for Cody CC again in October when they start. Oh, I can't the display wait. I cannot wait for this. Um, yeah, Edmonton, what are you doing, man? Uh, just kind of going, I wanted to talk about Tampa Bay. Oh, sure. Because the land where the cat doesn't exist. <laughs> they they signed Zach Bogosian, which, sorry, uh, Toronto fans, but, you know, $900,000. Okay, or $800,000. I suppose you can fit that in the cap. Uh, then they signed Braden Point for nine point five, An eight-year deal, nine point five per in a cap hit, $76 million. How? Yeah. Um, okay, you got rid of Tyler Johnson, but he didn't make $9.5 million. <laughs> you also acquired, though, Brent Seabrook's $7 million LTIR um, to allow you to cruise over the cap. By, there's still, you're right, there's still something else that's going to go. Um, and I wonder, there has to be. I wonder if it's not Sam Coast, to be honest with you. Uh, I've heard that tossed around quite a bit. Yeah. Is, like, is, is now the time? I mean, like, Jesus, we've we've seen that they can win without one of Stamkos or Kucherov yeah. at some point. As long as one of them's playing, the other one can be hurt and it's fine. But I don't know, man. If it, they've got it, they're going to have to move something out. And uh, yeah, geez, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if you know Stamkos's time in, in in Tampa really is coming to an end. That'd be weird, but it's it's definitely not out of the possibility at this point. I wonder, and someone else pointed this out right after they won the cup that when Tampa Bay drafted Steven Stamkos in 2008 first overall, you know, with visions on building a Stanley Cup team from there, if they could have possibly predicted that he would be, at best, the fourth best player on those Stanley Cup winning teams at that point, right? And there's no disrespect to Stamkos. No, like, when that's you look just at Point and are. Kucherov and Hedman and even Vasilevsky and um, McDonough and the way, you know, Stamkos has sort of faded a little bit and... um you know, he's had a ton of injury trouble and whatever. So I wonder now a bunch of those guys, half of the reason you're able to get those guys on, on those lower deals. And I think Kucherov, uh, is also a 9.5. I think that was sort of the, the limit they sent. They allowed point to go there too, but no one was going over that. Um, then you start to factor in the no taxes in Florida, all that shit that, that goes on down there and just guys willing to take a little bit less, but you know, 8 million bucks, I think is what Stamkos makes and they sort of showed last year they could do it without him. So I wonder if he's not yeah. the guy we'll see. Like I said, I think there's a no move involved there, but uh, they're going to have to do something to get back underneath it. But, but eight years times 9.5 for Braden point. 
That's about right. It's a good deal for that guy, I think. And both the, yeah, the someone and said, the, yeah. someone said that I think it's like sixty percent of Stamkos's points in the playoffs came on on the power play, and yeah. they were questioning his five on five play, which I, I I don't think is necessarily warranted, but I think it's fair to say that this guy has dealt with injuries consistently throughout his mm-hmm. career. And at what point does does he become an almost immovable player? So would Tampa want to move him yeah. before that happens? Right, because yep. Stamkos in his you know early to mid thirties when he well I, I guess he's in his early thirties he's thirty thirty one some of that now yeah yeah so as he gets in like pushing into his thirties that's going to get harder and harder to move because so those injuries are going to start to compound things right so this might be the time to move them and that's I mean this this off season has already been insane but that would make it even more insane um, I want to get your Leaf fan thoughts on Zach Hyman to Edmonton. Seven years, $38.5 million, 5.5 cap hit. Good for you, bud. Um, <laughs> you did exactly what we said you should do. Yeah, go get your money, man. And uh, look, for at least a few years, I would imagine, and he started to get beat up a little bit. He plays that physical style. He's had some knee injuries. I think the end of that contract is going to be a disaster, but I do fully expect, at least for a few years here, it will be a really good move for Edmonton. Um, and Toronto was only willing to go, as far as I can tell in what I've read, like eight years, we'll give you those as long as we can, but it's got to bring the cap hit way down, maybe to the neighborhood of like four or slightly less than that, four per year. And... At some point, yeah, I'm willing to take a hometown discount. Yeah, I'd like to stay here. But we're talking about now millions of dollars over the life of the contract. And you just can't give up on that, right? You can't walk away from that. So uh, good for him. I think he's a better fit with Dreisaitl than with McDavid, just based on the way those guys play. And I don't think Hyman's... I mean, it's pretty hard for anybody to keep up with McDavid, but I don't think Hyman is that guy. But I think he would be really, really good on a line with Dreisaitl and kind of getting down and cycling down low a little bit and getting to the net so Dreisaitl can do his thing. I think that could be really good for a few years. Um, But there's no way around the fact that the end of that deal is going to be pretty ugly. But um, for the first few years, should work well and happy he got his money and be fun to watch him play with those guys because he'll be the net front guy on their power play too, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, good for him. Sort of my take on that. Yeah, there's no question that he benefited from inflated stats because of who he was playing with. So of all the other destinations for him to end up in, a a team with the two best offensive players in the league is probably the best place for he him knows to, how to play with those for a guys. Bit. Yeah. 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 I thought it was a perfect, uh, like the seven years is way, way too much. And you're right. After yeah. a couple of years, that is going to suck for yes. Edmonton. Yes. But I, this is exactly what we said was going to happen. And at least for the first few years, I doubt you'll see an, a dramatic dip in Zach Hyman's production because he's going to be playing with two of the best players in the league. So uh, it's a perfect, perfect fit. Um, well, just a quick note. I want to ask Mike, you one, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah go for it. What did you make of Ovechkin re-upping five years in Washington at, again, I believe just under $10 million per year? Um, over the course of that five years, and he's getting up there, he's getting a little older, but if over the course of those five years he averages 33 goals per season, he will take down Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring record. That with these 
This season was only 56 games, right? Shortened due to the pandemic. Last year was only 70 games, shortened by the pandemic. 2013 season was only 48 games because of one of Gary's lockouts. And his rookie season of 0405 was eliminated completely. He could be, if you start to do the math on those, 70 goals closer right now already to Gretzky's record. Uh, five more years in Washington, which I think we all assumed he would re-sign there after the expansion draft so they could keep an open spot um, on their expansion roster. Five years, still pretty high money, but a chance to chase down some records as uh, probably the core of that team starts to fall off in their competitive window. What do you make of that signing? I mean, yeah, it wasn't surprising at all. I was glad to see him get some term because this guy just shows no signs of slowing down, even though we all (laughs) said when he was 25 that he played a style of hockey that was absolutely going to start to to eat at him as he got older and it's just not happening. And, and just the sheer fact that we are even having this conversation that he, it is possible for him to reach Gretzky's goal scoring record yeah. blows my mind. And, and to think of the games that were lost, like you said, because of lockouts, because of COVID, because of lockouts again, yeah. um, it, it, it's much like Patrick Marlowe, right? When he hit the, the games played record and everyone said, imagine how how much earlier he would have hit it if he didn't play through two lockouts True. and COVID. And it, it blows my mind that we're even having this conversation. I don't want to say whether or not I think it'll happen because you no, know. No, that's the question. It. Is he going to do it? Can he do I'm not this? answering that question. Oh, come I just, on. Nope. The sheer fact that we are even having this conversation is wildly impressive. And it, I, I have been a staunch supporter of Ovechkin for years because for some stupid reason in this country, we have to defend him because before he won a cup, people actually thought he wasn't that good. And if he reaches it, like, like, like the, 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 again, the fact that we, it is even remotely possible speaks volumes to how great of a goal scorer he is. He is the best goal scorer of our generation. Yes, he is. One of the best goal scorers all, of all time. There he, is no disputing that, but there are still people who need to be convinced. He's doing and it. And I really freaking hope that he's we can convince so them. so doing it. He's going to bust <sighs> off 40 or 45 again this year oh, in God. a full 82. He's got to get to maybe another 40 after that. And then you just cruise couple of years at 20 which he can he could do that into his mid 40s like Yager did if he felt like it this guy is absolutely not retiring until he is the leading goal scorer in NHL history and he could easily break off two more 40 goal seasons and it's all averages right as soon as he does that you're down to you know 23 yeah. 24 a year and he's doing it that's happening. He would be out there in a walker if it meant <laughs> hitting this this record, right? Like, there's no way. You're right. He's going to play until he absolutely physically cannot anymore to, to get right. to this record. Yep. And I'm just I'm just grateful we get to watch it. Like, it blows my mind that we've gotten to watch Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin in their absolute primes. Um, and now we, we get to watch McDavid. Like, we are so, so lucky in this generation of hockey fans to be able to watch them. So I saw a great tweet. Uh, just to circle back, because... I, 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 You'd asked about um, Hyman and the other, but Cody Cece, we were talking about him. In his career, he has played now with Eric Carlson. He's played with Austin Matthews. He's played with Sidney Crosby. And he has played with Connor McDavid. He is the Forrest Gump of the NHL. He has been <laughs> dropped into every high-profile situation there is in the league. There's Cody Cece in the background. Just fallen ass backwards yeah. to these opportunities, man. He really is blessed. Yeah. Like he, he truly just walks on water for no reason. It is amazing. 
Um, the, the last thing in free agency I want to hit on is just Montreal. You know, I don't want to say putting aside the Logan May situation because we should not put it aside. I'm but in addition to, yeah. they are going after the the uh, uh, identity of the villain, especially for Ottawa fans right now. Ooh. They signed Mike Hoffman. Really? To Did a three-year they? deal. Yeah. Three years, uh, $13.5 million, so 4.5 per. Um, there was one other player and I'm going to scroll down and try and find it, which is great. David Savard material. was the defenseman they brought in. Um, David Savard. Yeah. They brought in Chris Weidman, which is not the, vil- I think that's a great move for them. And I'm really happy to see Chris Weidman get a contract, but it does probably piss off Suns fans that he's in, in Montreal. KHL defenseman of the year last year. And, and, and again, like Chris Weidman's a prime example. And there's been a lot of talk. There's a great article in The Athletic about Chris Weidman and essentially how he was booted out of the NHL for the Uber incident a couple years ago, mm, right. which was, by the way, not his fault. He wasn't Fucking the only person right, there. Mellow. And he was, he was not saying anything that none of us have said about uh, our yeah, employers at some point. You were the easiest exactly. guy to get rid of, so see ya. That's- he had to. He got booted out of the NHL, went to the KHL. Like he's to see him get an NHL contract is just really, really nice. I'm happy to see that. Um, but Hoffman's interesting because he's kind of a douche too. But oh, big time in the Montreal. You know, as you said, if we're just gonna do that, because it was a time you know, like long before they did the Logan Mayu thing that they were also tied to Tony D'Angelo. Everyone thought that's where he was going to end up. And they tried to do it um, during the season and they weren't able to. And then after the buyout that the Rangers put down here a week or two ago, everyone assumed that's where he'd go. Um, But if you're just going to embrace it and be like, well, whatever, people hate us now anyway, except for here in La Belle Provence, you just kind of lean right into it. Then yeah, bring them in because as a hockey fit, you know, they, they don't score and that's all he does. He doesn't defend. He's whatever. But if you set him up on the power play, then maybe he could work there. They're going to be weak down the middle. I think there's no question about that. We didn't mention that Philip Deneau has left and gone to Los Angeles six years, five million bucks for a guy who scored four goals this year. No, thank you. Um, but that's what the Habs are going to be now is sort of weak up the middle but with some pretty good wingers, depending on what you think of Toffoli and uh, Josh Anderson for some of his. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I think Hoffman's kind of a dink, but he'll fit in well there in Montreal for that reason, maybe. That's a perfect way to describe him. Okay. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe him. Um, I, you sent me this tweet that I do want to – I guess it's a little dated at this point because free agency wasn't over at this point. But just to highlight how busy the free agency has been today versus last year, comparison to 2020 free agency over the la- after two hours. Yeah, so by 2 p.m. on free agency day of each year. Yeah, 2020, there were 22 contracts, 41 contract years, $40 million in cap hit and $94 million in actual contract dollars. Okay. In 2021, Mm -hmm. 60 contracts, (laughs) 135 contract, uh, 136, sorry, contract years, 140 million in cap hit, $405 million in contract dollars. So that by, just to look at the contract dollars alone, in 2020, after two hours, it was 94 million. In 2021, 405. What a What an incredible... 
That is incredible. And this is one of the wildest free agent days we've ever seen. Let me ask you your opinion. Do you think, looking at the difference, and and we all understood in 2020, we, there was still a bunch of uncertainty. Um, you know, we were headed into the, the our first full pandemic season, and we knew the cap was going to be flat and all these things. So teams were kind of cautious with their free agents. Uh, this year, they clearly were not cautious. Uh, do you read into this that they know something we don't? And maybe with the new TV contracts and things like that, the cap might be, not necessarily this year, but maybe things look a little rosier than expected and the cap may be going up soon. Or are NHL GMs just still batshit crazy out here doing whatever the hell they want? I think that's a good question. Like, they keep screaming flat cap for the next five years. And when you sign a deal like that with ESPN, I just don't see how that happens. Plus you've got the expansion money that just came in. I just don't see how that actually happens. Yeah. And, and you know, there's nowhere to go, but up from a financial standpoint from, from COVID, right? Like American teams have had almost full barns. Canadians are going to have fans in the stands. You know, we don't know to what extent, but it's very likely that they'll have fans in the stands this fall. Like Mm -hmm. there's nowhere to go, but up at this point, I I do not see how there's going to be a flat cap and, and, you know, maybe they're just trying to put fear into people. And, you know, if you know, there's going to be a flat cap, maybe you'll go and spend some money, but (laughs) I think it looks, I, there's, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think it looks a lot like, and maybe it won't be right away, but I think maybe they've heard that the outlook is a little rosier than they mm-hmm. thought it was going to be. And so you were allowed to throw, or willing to throw around a little bit more money, or maybe they're just crazy. I, I don't know. It's, it is a legit question. Yeah. <laughs> That, that is a very, very real possibility. Um, but a busy day. I'm always a big fan when, when free agency day is busy because there's nothing worse than when Brad Richards is the biggest free agent of the day and we have to watch him leave offices um after getting pitches so any any day that's not that yeah is a good day for me and this was a very good day and i'm sure the folks at tsn are very happy no doubt about uh, it that. kept them busy all day and and uh yeah it's i i thought it's been great totally agree uh, switching gears to the Olympics, because believe it or not, the Olympics are still happening. Given Summer Olympics what, everything... and NHL free agency, same week, makes total sense. It's... Why did you do this <laughs> to me? Like, did they not think we needed to sleep? Come it's on, just guys. the latest COVID um, uh, tragedy. Honestly, I, I did stay up for a late night event last night, Matt. And by late, I mean 9.40 p.m., Okay. Uh, I, but I watched Penny Alexiak win uh, bronze in the 200 meter. Was it 200 meter freestyle? Yep, yep. Anyway, I watched her win bronze and it was amazing. Well, so and Penny Alexiak is now the most decorated summer Olympian in Canada. And she tied uh, Clara Hughes and Cindy Clausen for yep. most medals by a Canadian athlete. By the way, she's 21 years old. Yeah, this won't be her last uh, by any means. Now, we do have to ask here, Screeds. This is an important question since Uh-oh. you managed to stay up till 940. And this is like when kids say, I just want to watch like one more episode of something or whatever. (laughs) Actually, it's not like that at all because you'd be like, I just want to go to bed. (laughs) Are you already at this point, teeth are brushed, PJ'd up. Like I'm watching this and I'm like itching the second she touches the wall, I'm gone to bed. Is this like, I'm so tired. (laughs) What what does this look like when Screech can stay up till 940 on a weeknight? You're not far off. Okay. <laughs> like I was, I was in my sweatpants. Yeah. 
you know, laying on the couch pretty much as soon as her event was over, <laughs> I started getting ready for bed. I think I was in bed by like 10 o'clock. So that te- that's the beauty of swimming is like each event oh, yeah. is literally like two minutes, minutes long. So, yeah, exactly. So uh, kudos to you for, Thank you. Um, Thank you, you know, a couple of big moments, right? She wins a medal. You managed to stay up till almost 10 o'clock. So um, big moments. We're all heroes all around. here. Exactly. Um, just awesome, right? To get to this point, as you said, by 21 years old, um, and if we're being honest or reiterating what people who follow the sport better than I do have written, she hadn't had a great kind of quadrennial, right? It almost feels like when it's pressure time at world championships or at the Olympics, and these are big moments, yeah, fine. I'll pedal down and I'll get a medal out of this or whatever. But at some of the other events that maybe people aren't paying attention to or you don't take quite as seriously, by all accounts, she wasn't coming into this all that hot, right, in terms of her results. So incredible to see that she's just one of those clutch athletes, right, these big moment athletes who, as you said, and I thought it was interesting um, that uh, Devin Haru, who's covering this for the CBC, is doing a really nice job. And he kind of pointed out, like, just the distinction of how she set herself apart as she ties Cindy Clausen and Clara Hughes. And all of Penny Alexiak's medals, of course, have now come in the pool. I think, well, would we say she was at six now? Uh, with yeah. plenty more to come. Um, Cindy Clausen won five of her six all at one games, which no Canadian had ever done before. That was the Turin games in 06. And Clara Hughes had was the only Canadian athlete to ever win medals at the winter and summer games. So three distinct athletes getting this done three different ways. Clara Hughes, for people who don't remember, uh, was also a cyclist on top of her speed skating. So fantastic there as well. To put yourself into that kind of company with so much room to go. First of all, still in Tokyo, she could claim more medals and likely will. And at 21 years old, there's nothing to suggest that she's done. Right? Like she may do another Olympics, maybe another two Olympics and not just be the record holder, but like a uncatchable record holder by the time this is all said and done. And, um, it's been so much fun to watch her do her thing as well as the rest of the, uh, the Canadian women's swim team that are bringing home relay medals, bringing home backstroke medals, like just killing it across the board. Absolutely. And, and. There's a really great article. I rarely say this. There's a really great article in the Toronto Sun. Um, <laughs> this about, must be good. Yeah, about Penny Alexiak and, and how she struggled coming out of Rio. Yeah, and and really between the two Olympics, you know, she she won a few medals here and there at the Commonwealth and the World Championships, but really didn't. You know, there's a lot of pressure on her coming out of Rio because she won four uh, medals as a 16 year old. Yeah, and of course, now there's going to be this narrative 11. of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's going to be this narrative of, oh, you're just getting started and, and think of the trajectory. And like, you know, the article kind of talks about, you know, you put that pressure on a 16 year old and, and everyone's going to crack. Of course. Right? And, and what do you want and me to she do talks about, She talks about what that was like for her. I thought it was really, really eye opening and I had no idea that she was struggling that much. So we'll, we'll tweet it out at sure. Talk Audio at Shrides on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you can check it out. It's, it's worth a read, but it's, it's good to see her. You know, she's got three more opportunities for for medals, I believe, at this point. And, uh, you know, she's she's hopefully 
made it through the the struggles of the pressure of being a 16 year old phenom. Um, and at 21 years old, I mean, Jesus, you're still a kid, but you know, you, you, you have a little more maturity, a little more perspective and, yeah. and clearly it's, she's been able to navigate that so far. So um, yeah, I mean, to, to see where she goes from here is just, it's unbelievable. Um, already she's a, obviously an Olympic champion and she is a record holder and the, the most decorated summer athlete for Canada of all time. And that's enough uh, for a 21 year old, but <laughs> You know, to think that she's got even further to go is is really really impressive. And yeah, shout out to to Canadian women and and those competing in women's sports. Um, they have all the medals so far, and they're they're just killing it at, at these Olympics already. Sixty percent weightlifting, judo, weightlifting. <laughs> We're killing it all um, across the board here. The swim teams pile, awesome. racked up a pile of them. So the women are absolutely carrying the load so far for Canada, which is cool. Uh, hopefully. At some point here, before the games close, we get a guy on the board. But um, right now, absolutely, the women doing all the heavy lifting and bringing it home. So it's been, and I, I will say, I know you and I have talked. I was very negative on this whole thing. Uh, the pool has me sucked in. I'm not watching much else, but it's been too hard not to kind of such a likable group of women, right? The way they're talking, and even the men's team that finished fourth. People, you know, kind of talking about how the the Canadian men haven't meddled, and it's totally legit. They haven't. The men's swim team was 37-year-old Brett Hayden and three teenagers, and they were ranked 19th in the world, qualified 11th in the world, and finished 4th. That is, it's not a podium. I understand. That is, though, if you want to cheer on Canadian teams, that's incredible, right? To be that far ahead of your world ranking on the day that it's the hardest, where there's the most pressure. Um, so congratulations to the Canadian men's four by 100 team as well, um, for a huge, huge effort there. I just, you know, want to shout those out because just because personal bests at the Olympics are incredible on the day where you're going to face more pressure than you ever have in your life to step up and, and do, uh, do a job like that is worth noting too. So whether it's men or women, when you're actually looking at these scores and going, oh, the Canadian finished sixth, make sure you understand that's sixth in the world at whatever they're doing right now. And it might be a personal best. Um, so shout out to all of them. But yeah, in terms of the hardware, in terms of carrying around those bronze, those silvers and those golds, it's all women right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been super impressive. And, and sure. you know, to think of, of how much success these female athletes have had. And then you think of how little support female mm-hmm. sports get overall. And, and you know, Megan Rapinoe has talked about We've seen what women's sports can do in spite of uh, unequal opportunity and discrimination, and and this is a prime example of that. Like, imagine what would happen if we if we really threw the support behind women's sports outside of the Olympics, um, and uh, and well, that's what's perfect really example. blowing my mind. I, that because of the time difference, right? The the swim meets the semifinals, a lot of the finals, even in the morning, are in Japan tripping all over my tongue here, are in the morning in Japan, but it's pretty close to the tail end of prime time in North America on the East Coast. Any ratings right now at all that CBC is getting are for the Canadian women's swim team. And Mm. people are watching it and they're killing it and people are loving it. If we paid attention maybe outside of these two weeks every four years, maybe we could you know, push it a little more forward. Maybe give them that support. Maybe give them that platform. You've shown people will watch when you make it available on live television and not even at great times. Some of these races are 1115 or whatever. And 
people will watch if it's on TV. So put it on TV. Exactly. Exactly. If you build it, they will come they will and all come. that stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, uh, I cannot wait to wake up at 4 a.m. Oh. on Friday and watch Christine St. Clair and the Canadian women's soccer team. Okay, well, text me. Let me know how it went. Yeah. yeah. What I'll text a- you during. Yeah, it's fine. I'm on Do Not Disturb. Um, <laughs> let me know, though. What happened? Did you get up and watch it? Because it was kind of the crazy middle of the night. When I th- what happened with the Canadian women versus Serbia? Because that was a rough start on the basketball Oof. court. Yeah, that was not good. Was that, that, was, that was at 3.30, 4.20 in the morning. Yeah. I did get up for it. Okay. It was not fun. Serbia was absolutely all over them. Um, like I know Canada's ranked, I believe, fourth or sixth in the world yeah. in, in women's basketball. Um, so obviously like you you know they're not a powerhouse but jesus like i expected a better performance out of them than what we got and it felt like nothing was dropping for them um they were very disjointed and i know it was the first game so mm-hmm. so you know we'll give them a little bit to to get caught up here but the road it was it was a little though. frustrating yeah that's that's the thing yeah. like it's it doesn't get any easier from here and then if you get out of group play guess who's waiting for you mm. um <laughs> team usa for those not keeping track and they're i mean that now granted Team USA uh, did not look great against Nigeria. They did win, but they looked incredibly disjointed. So maybe this is just a, the the basketball teams. I believe got there a couple days before the yeah. opening ceremonies. I like like I don't. I'm imagining the transition has been a little hard for them. So on Team USA um, on the men's side, not looking super great so far either. Right. So it's yeah. messing with people. Right. Maybe the uh, the time zones or whatever might be. Um, but yeah, that was a rough go. When I woke up that morning and I, I, I had it PVR and I was going to put it on and I ended up on Twitter first and I'm like, shit ended up seeing the lost to Serbia. Got to have it, right? Got to have those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really tough. I mean, it, it was, it was fun to watch. It is the first start to finish game for team Canada that I've watched. And by the time this air or people are listening to this, it'll be um, too late, but they do play Korea tonight at 9 PM. It's a late one. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to stay really? up for 9 it. PM tonight, Wednesday night, Eastern, Yep, Eastern 9 PM. Eastern time, July 28th. I'm going to have that on too. There you go. It's, it's morning basketball for them. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what great. I'm saying. That's weird. I should be able to do at least the first half. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm on, on the air tomorrow morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <no. laughs> Don't send me tweets. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll see if uh, if they can get their groove back and, and get their feet under them. So it's still too early to, to make any judgment calls, but uh, hopefully they have a better showing against Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, want to mention, and I don't want to make this a, a, a quick thing, but it's just you know we're we're cutting it close on time, and we've we've touched on some really heavy stuff today, and and you know. Personally, I, I am just, I do not have the mental capacity to give this the time and respect it deserves, but I do want to mention Simone Biles. Um, she withdrew from the women's team final on Tuesday due to a medical issue. Gymnastics, if you're not familiar with that name. Oh, yes. If you need to know, Simone Biles is in gymnastics. Um, (laughs) If you've been living under a rock. Well, we're not all for, you know, outside of these two weeks, right? Every year we don't all follow as close as we should. Yeah, so uh, she withdrew from the women's team final on Tuesday due to a medical issue. Uh, She later talked about the fact that it was to protect her mental health. She was not feeling well mentally. And I don't know if you know this, but gymnastics is kind of a dangerous sport. Um, And if you're not 100% mindful of what you're doing, 
the slightest trip up could result in a devastating injury. So rightfully so, she withdrew. She stepped out of the way, let her team uh, take it from there, knowing full well they have the abilities to do it. They won a silver medal. Good for them. Um, and I don't want to give the time of day to people who are criticizing her for that because you should never be criticized for protecting your mental health. Uh, but I just want to say good good for her for setting her boundaries and and for doing what was best for her mental and physical wellness because like i said you screw up in gymnastics well one leads to the other your mental <laughs> mental health yeah. your physical health um i've seen a few tweets now and a few threads a couple of people who know gymnastics maybe better than i do i'm willing to admit don't necessarily know all the moves in gymnastics and whatever but that you run up to that vault and start flipping into the air and your focus isn't where it should be you're blowing out a knee or you're coming down maybe even worse right like you need to be focused it's something that we don't think enough about and if she didn't feel like she was ready to um to you know it's a risk if you're not fully focused if you're not fully there to do anything like this at the highest level is is dangerous and so yeah if she felt like she wasn't there then she has the right to step back and um i saw a great tweet from someone else who said you know to anyone criticizing Simone Biles, she's won a world championship with broken toes on both feet, won a national championship with a kidney stone. Kidney stone. And, yeah, yeah. And with a uh, with a kidney stone and was still strong enough to say, I should back out of this. Motherfucker, you're not strong enough <laughs> to wear a mask inside a Walmart. <laughs> Go away. Right? <laughs> like, exactly. That's it right there. Yeah. Like that to say that she's not tough. To, for competing in one of the toughest sports on the planet. She's done several competitions and won them while injured. Yes. Oh, she's also a survivor of sexual assault at the hands of one of the team doctors that USA Gymnastics protected for years. Yeah. And she carries the weight of representing those women who were assaulted by Larry Nasser. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's even talked about the fact that, that, she wants to continue being the face of USA Gymnastics so people don't forget that this happened. The pressure of of that alone, like just just carrying that every day, that is incredibly tough. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what it is like preparing for and competing in the Olympics. You do not know what it is like com- preparing for and competing for the Olympics. The people cri- criticizing Simone Biles do not know what it's like yeah. preparing if for and competing If you find yourself ever going, if it was me, it's not. It never will be no. just sit down and shut up. Exactly. Oh, and she's 24. Yeah. Like all of this and she's 24 years old. Like it, it is never a bad thing to protect your mental health. I don't care what you do. I, I, if anything, I think I, I, she's more of a leader and more of the goat today <laughs> than she ever has been because she advocated for her own mental health and by doing so was setting an example for all of us, right? I don't care what you do. You should always put your mental health first. But to say that she hasn't been carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders for years since she was a child coming up through a system that did not protect her, but protect the people abusing her. Yeah. Like, come on, man, just get out of here. This is, it's not even worth the time of day. And, and if, if you genuinely think that like, good God, I hope you get help because I, I don't understand how you can have such little compassion for someone who's been through so much. And I hope, I, I hope you are never in a situation where you, where you find yourself needing to prioritize your mental health, because if you don't, Lord knows what's going to happen, right? Well, like everyone has the right to do this. And, and I hope that, I hope that those criticizing her learn 
the the value of this and yeah, and protect their own gonna, mental health. But Michael Phelps said it too in an article, I believe, in Sports Illustrated. I could be mistaken that leading up to the London Games, after the success he'd had in Beijing, again, you're feeling this. NBC, you're on everything, right? Your face is the thing leading up to USA Olympics and you're expected to just clean out the entire metal closet and set all these records. And if you finish with five gold medals instead of eight, which is still Ugh. fucking incredible, you're going to be viewed as a failure who didn't get it done. And the way that that can get in your head and the way that that can stick with you, that despite the fact that you are the best in the world at what you do, you're not inhuman, right? That this can still come down on you. And Phelps talked quite a bit about it. And there's been plenty of reasons to criticize him over the years and that's fine. But he was another one who immediately stepped up when Simone Biles said, I, I need to take a step back right now and said, that's what needed to happen there. And that's fine. And here's why. And, and sort of defended her there. And, um, it's a different world that we're never going to totally understand. The entire world is watching right now. And if you're not in a place to do it, then you need to have the strength and God love her that she did have the strength to just go. Yeah, not today. I, I can't. And this team will be better off without me out here fumbling on things. And, you know, even beyond her own, not beyond her own mental health, because that's first and foremost, but her own physical health She's able to, this team needs someone whose head is right here, right in this right now today, um, and stepped aside and allowed that to happen. So it's a good teammate beyond anything. Exactly. Else. She, yeah. she put her team first. Yeah. Absolutely. And anybody who says she gave up on her team, like, no, she put them first, yeah. man. The complete opposite she, she, happened. Yeah. She did what was best for, for them to have a, a, their best chance at winning. And that's again, like that's a prime example of leadership. And, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but athletes are human beings. They're not objects. They're not machines. They are human beings and they have the same struggles that we do. Only I would argue they have more yeah, <laughs> like there's more pressure on them than, than we can even ever understand. So I, uh, yeah, that's all, all I wanted to really say was like nothing but respect for her because that, that is not an easy thing to do. And what I loved is, is she said it so un, unapologetically, like she, oftentimes we apologize when we're setting our boundaries, like, oh, I'm sorry, but I can't do this. She was like, no, I, I did this to protect my mental health. Like, that's it. Yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. We, we need more of that. As you said, she's not a machine, but this uh, bleep, bleep bloop was so not bad. Oh, how, how was the bleep bloop? Pretty good. I'm just about finished my second one here as we're sitting here uh, running a little no, long. Okay, so, so it was good. It was good. Yeah. Nice and juicy. Uh, it's hitting the spot quite nicely here on this show. Right on. You need it after today. What a day, man. Bleep, bloop. Bleep, bloop. We are, I am running on maybe one or two functioning brain cells. I can't believe so I, you're going to try and make have... it through a nine o'clock basketball game. Should, should I have a coffee? Like what, what do coffee you do stout. this late? I tried to tell you on Twitter, you need a coffee stout. That's... Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Maybe I'll have to switch to that after this episode. Nice. Um, I think, I think we've covered as Everything. much as we can yes. for today. Honestly. <laughs> There's, thank you all for sticking with us uh, through this. It was one heck of a day and we're only a couple days into the Olympics. So there's more of this to come. Sure is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good place to wrap it up. As always, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, or on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital, where I share nothing but beer photos. 
and we will see you next time on Talk and Audio. Bleep bloop. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCan Audio on your favorite podcast app.